Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room, but also joining us uh, online today. It's such a a great day to celebrate mums and women, and uh, we're so excited about the conversation that we're going to have here today. So today we have the opportunity to learn from some mums, to learn about faith, to learn about family, to learn a little bit about uh, womanhood. And we've gathered these uh, three women to share a little bit of their story, their experiences, to share their insight to inspire us and empower us in all areas of life. So would you give it up for Michelle Ingalls, Jules McDuff and Rachel Jessidos, who are joining us on the panel today. Come on. That's it, Jules. Give them a little wave. Give them a little something for the fans. It is so good. Special shout out to whoever left lollies here. Uh, that's, um, that's a real gift. Uh, whoever did that, thank you so much. So as we jump into our conversation today, our, my heart and desire for us is that we get great encouragement. You know, I think of the passage in Hebrews 10, 24, when it talks about we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So no matter what our experience of family may be, it may be one of joy, but it also might be one of pain, our heart desire is that God would speak to every single one of you today. So ladies, I did think about how I would start this off by maybe I would go, hello ladies, but I didn't want to come across in the wrong tone. So (laughs) ladies, (laughs) it'd be great just to get to know you a little bit more. Can you tell us a little bit about your faith story and how you came to faith. How about, shall you kick us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my faith journey started when I was younger, I guess. I was brought up in a home um, that it weren't Christians, um, but my mum and dad wanted to send me to a Christian primary school so that I would um, have good values and good morals. Um, and then as a teenager, they sent me to a Catholic or girls' school I don't know if that was a punishment or I'm not sure. But anyhow, I learned a lot of good lessons as a child and as a teenager. But one that sticks with me um, quite vividly is that at primary school, um, I remember being really touched when we had our chapel days and we had um, a worship leader come in and he would just make it super, super fun. And I just remember thinking, this guy, Jesus, he must be fun because we're having fun. Um, And we had a book drive come in on the same day and what captivated me and held my attention was this bookmark. And mum had sent me in with some money and so I could spend some money at this book drive. And I saw this bookmark and it had this picture of Jesus on it and he was holding a lantern so there was this light kind of vibe about it and it had a glow-in-the-dark cross on it. And so I stuck it with blue tack next to my bed so I could look at it every night. And it brought me peace and it brought me joy, even though I didn't quite understand who this guy Jesus was for me. Um, And one of the things that shaped, um, I guess, my story and led me to be open um, to Jesus um, as when I got older... Um, was I had a brother who was quite unwell growing up. Um, And when I was nine, he passed away. He was just seven. Um, And it left my family with all these questions, I guess. And it left me with this question of, who is this Jesus guy? And how can there be a God when things like this happen? And so at the age of 22, I was um, asked to do an Alpha course Um, at a local church. I'd never been to church before. Um, But I think just those questions that I'd asked 
as a child and through my teenage years and looking for love and acceptance in the wrong ways led me to this place of humility of going, I've, I've tried to look for answers to life and, and I'm, I'm coming up short. So I said yes to do an Alpha course um, at a local church, which was a 10-week program at the time, and it finished with a, um, a camp. And I, I found that every week I went along to this course, um, God was slowly starting to speak to me, and all the preconceived ideas I had about God and church and faith were smashed every week, and I began to realise this this God character, this Jesus character, this Holy Spirit, they, they want to be part of me. They want me to um, give my life over. And um, so on the very last day of camp, I just I got down on my knees and I was blubbering like a baby and um, just realised all this stuff I've been carrying around, I don't actually have to do that anymore because God wants to take all that away. Um, and a scripture that really stood out for me at the time was Hebrews 12.2, which says, Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I just knew in that moment, the more that I was to give my life over to the Lord, the more Jesus's I became, the more I would find my own self and find my purpose and those answers that I was looking for to the things that I had been through in my childhood that, that really hurt um, and the things that I now take through in the way that that's shaped me as a mum is to show that to my kids and be honest and open with my kids about life in, in the hard stuff and the good stuff, um, being honest and, and vulnerable and showing them where Jesus is in those moments of, of good and bad. Yeah. Thanks so much. Jules? Yeah, so I uh, went to church with my dad. It was just me and my dad. Went to um, a beautiful little church in Golden Groove. Um, we used to go there for quite a number of years, just him and me. And so um, as you do, you grow up and um, you sort of come away because it really didn't mean anything. It was just, you know, going to church. That's what you did. Um, and so when I got to high school, I was invited by my chaplain, Go Chaplains. They do an amazing job. Um, to Clovey. So um, I thought, oh, well, I'll just give it a go. Um, and that's what I did. So I came to a night service. It was called a youth service back then. And um, it was certainly different to Gone Grove the Uniting Church. Obviously, lights and a band. It was like, wow, this is like <laughs> so much bigger than what I'm used to. But I just embraced it. I just loved it. Um, and I had a few friends here. They had a cafe at the time um, just over there. And um, it was just a beautiful um, moment to experience Clovey. And, of course, I um, went to a, Graham crusade, a Franklin Graham crusade. Um, and I tend to, when I was a teenager, just go with the flow. Um, and so when he said, would you like to give your heart to the Lord? I went, sure, why not? So down I went and I did. So it really didn't mean anything at that point, but it was when I started to come to Clovey and I started to um, get involved in a youth group. I get involved with um, uh, friends and um, really just suck the life out of my youth leaders and learning stuff. And I came to the point of, and we just sung it a minute ago, of acceptance of I am a child of God and I am who he's created me to be and... Um, that really just took out to me. I thought, wow. <laughs> so among the lights and the, all the amazingness up here, 
I just went, I am a child of God. And I, it's almost like I recommitted my life to him because I came to that point of acceptance. So, uh, I was born in a Hindu family. And um, parents um, really sacrificed to put us in a Catholic convent. And the Lord used that as a seedbed to um, bring me to faith. So um, uh, we were uh, a very devout practicing Hindu family. And um, I was, um, especially my high school years, I remember uh, delving deep into the Vedas, trying to understand what's the framework behind um, Hindu uh, beliefs. And uh, every year, Gideon's International used to come to our school. And they used to give us a small New Testament, a blue color one with Psalms and Proverbs. And because I loved reading and I was allowed to bring it home, uh, I used to take it home, especially I remember from year eight onwards. And I started reading it and um, the words sort of just stuck. And uh, especially Jesus, he seemed, to, um, he seemed to heal lepers and lepers were outcasts in um, pretty much any society. But then Indian society, I've seen lepers, nobody would even go near them. And this Jesus used to touch them, heal them, embrace them, uh, healed blind people. He said, he who comes to me, I will no wise cast out. He says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. My peace I give to you. So the words really stuck um, in my heart, and I just couldn't shake it off. And every year, we used to go to a very famous temple in um, South India called Tirupati. And we are very ordinary, from an ordinary family. So we go in the normal people queue. It takes us almost three days to reach the sanctum sanctorum. If you're a VIP, you can pay money and you can just have an instant darshan. So um, after three days of reaching, um, going in the queue, moving inch by inch, and just going inside to see the deity, the temple security put their hands on my shoulder and just shoved me out. Because it's an auspicious day, it's pretty normal because there are thousands of other devotees waiting in the queue to have a glimpse of uh, God. But for me, it was like the last straw that broke the camel's back. I just blurted to my family, uh, it's just uh, horrible. It's no um, use. We might as well just be Christians. And everyone is like, <gasps> we're standing in one of the holiest shrines in, in Hindu uh, land. And how dare you? We, we send you to a Christian school to learn good English and uh, values. And this is what you have learned. So uh, after a few days, uh, my uncle took me to another very famous temple. And there uh, he made me sit in the courtyard. Hundreds of people very fervently uh, from their heart, they're doing pujas, they're chanting mantras, they are praying. And he just made me sit down, observe all the people. And he said, are you trying to tell me that all our sages who have gone before, our Vedas, our wisdom, all of that is wrong? Are you trying to tell me that all of us here, we are wrong? Can you see how sincere you, we are? And Hinduism is such a broad-minded religion. We worship every god, all gods we worship, we respect. But Christianity is such a narrow-minded religion. They say you should only worship Jesus. Tell me, answer me. And you know, when you're 16 and 17, I was 17 by that time, year 12, you think you know everything. But at that time, there was such tremendous confusion in my heart. Because for me, the road was very clear. If I believed Hinduism is the religion, 
then I can worship Jesus as well. He's one more God I can worship. But then, from what I've been reading in the New Testament, he says, no one can come to the Father but by me. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy, without me even realizing, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. So there was such tremendous confusion. For me, it was like, how can so many people be so sincere but still on the wrong path? So as I was going back home in the auto, I was very quiet. And for me, one thing, um, whenever the chapel used to be open or Catholic churches used to be open, uh, because I studied in a Catholic convent, I just used to go and just sit. And that which characterized Jesus for me was peace. I thought it was the church. I thought it was the building that gave me peace. Because in a Hindu temple, it was very different. Whereas when I came and sat in a church and prayed to Jesus, there was such tremendous peace. So I thought this God is a God of peace. I knew him to be, when, when I had peace in my heart, I knew it was Jesus. So that I just lost that peace as I was coming back home from the temple. And um, such confusion, such heaviness in my heart. I was just thinking, who is the true God? Is Jesus the true God? Or can I just follow Hinduism? And there was power outage. And I just stepped inside my home. And I just prayed to Jesus. I said, Jesus, if you are the true God, I want current to come. I meant power. I meant light. And that prayer just left my... I just, I just said that prayer. And lights came flooding. I praise and thank God. And I, I can still envision the light that came flooding. And more importantly, it was the peace that was characteristic of Jesus. I just knew in my heart. So I just said, Jesus, I don't know how, who's right, who's wrong. I don't have any answers. But I know one thing. You are the true God. And I will worship you. So then and there, I was born again. And for me, that has been, I mean, a turning point in my life. Because... He is the true God. He's the living God. And um, I want to share that with, with my children, with others. So that's, that's been a turning point for me. All right, you can clap your hands. Some amazing stories from all three of you. And thank you so much for just your, your openness and your, your vulnerability uh, in sharing your stories uh, with us. I want to talk a little bit about family and um, Jules, can you think of a time where God has been maybe present or guiding in leading your family? Absolutely. Um, so, those of you who don't know, uh, my husband Nathan and I moved back uh, to Adelaide two years ago from Millicent, a little country town in Millicent, uh, four hours away from here. And we lived there 14 years ago, for, for 14 years. Um, and I guess towards the end of our 14 years, I felt... I felt I, I, I wanted to come home. I felt that um, our season was over and I really wanted to come home and be home with our family. And But Nate had a little bit different thought than I did. Um, he thought that we had a bit more time in Millicent. And so we just um, went about life and I still had that feeling of I would like to go home. Um, and so, but, and, but we didn't want to leave knowing that God still wanted us in Millicent. So it was that I can feel that I need to stay, but um, God, what do you want us to do here in Millicent? And so months went on and um, I became pregnant, which 
those of you who don't know, um, for many, many years, um, we couldn't have children and we decided to foster. And so um, we were almost in the too hard basket for doctors. Um, and so this was an amazing miracle. We didn't think this would happen at all. And so, um, so when I became pregnant, I was, okay, God, <laughs> if this is you, if you would want this to, have, to happen, um, I would like to go home now. I, was, <laughs> I would like to go home. And so we really um, pressed into God. And, of course, with all the emotion and um, stress, it really was a stressful time because um, in the past we've lost children and, and all of that. And so we really wanted to dedicate this time to God and seek God and say, God, where, where are you at here? Where are you leading us here? Do we want to go home? Um, should we go home? Um, yeah, it was a really up and down roller coaster ride. And so um, on the 20 week mark, Nate turned to me and he said, Right, if this baby is good to go, <laughs> we're going to go home. And, and we felt really at peace with that. And um, pray, praise God, that baby was good. And, um, and so we made that decision to come home. And it was the best decision we ever, ever made. Um, and so, of course, I had Levi in that January, and it was an absolute miracle. And <laughs> if anyone has experienced a miracle before, um, he is an absolute miracle child. We never, ever thought that we would ever, ever have him. Sorry. Um, so God's leading with us coming home, and we didn't have a house. We didn't have anything. Um, it was a real trust in, in God, so... His leading and guiding was absolutely evident. We were able to um, house at the Wiggins house. If they're here, thank you for that. Really, it was an absolute blessing. Um, we still had no idea where we were going to live, and we were like, "God, come on! We've got we've got a newborn here. We've got two boys, and we need a house." But you know, God is God, right? And He will do um, what He's going to do. And we were blessed with a house, and with a baby, and blessed coming back to Clovey. Nathan have his job. Um, and you just stand back and you just feel so overwhelmed and in awe of um, what, what has God has done for you. And, but prior to that, um, we, we foster, like I've said, and um, we got the boys pretty much within three days. And um, we had been parents before. We, we've babysit children, yes, but we didn't – we had no parenting experience. And so we got – the boys within three days, um, and it's like, welcome to parenthood. This is great. Um, but yet again, God's leading and guiding in that was he gave us what we needed. Um, he gave us two beautiful boys that we have still have today and we still will have for the rest of their life, um, which we're so, so incredibly blessed with. So, um, yeah, just experiencing the whole new world of parenting and experiencing that, but also going through the emotions of um, having a baby and moving back to Adelaide. You know, God is just an amazing God that can um, not only um, give us the miracle of a, of a child, but also bring us back and, and fulfil that need of um, being back home and being back at Clovey is always... An amazing thing. So thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. Amen. 
Michelle, how about you share us a time in your family? Uh, yes, uh, we have many, so it's hard thinking of one, but um, I guess the big one that sticks out for us is that when we... Uh, when we were first praying about our family um, and when I was first pregnant um, with our first daughter um, and praying over her and praying over our family and what it would look like and um, what we wanted it to be and what we felt like God was speaking over our family. Um, I remember a particular day praying over this, this child that I was carrying and God gave me a picture of a child in a wheelchair and I remember not feeling scared or freaking out, but feeling uh, the peace of God and knowing that whatever this picture was that he was showing me while I was praying, I knew that he had it, that he had gone before us into our family and that he was looking after us. Um, and so at that point, I didn't know what that picture meant. And then fast forward a little bit, we have our two beautiful girls, 15 months apart, um, and they're well and healthy. Um, and so that image of that child in the wheelchair had sort of gone to the, the back of my mind. And I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe God was prompting me to pray for a friend's child or um, for children that I had come across in wheelchairs. It was all a bit baffling um, until we obviously had our third child. Um, and those of you that know us um, know that Jeshua has a number of special needs. Um, he was born reasonably healthy and well. Um, it became an unravelling of events with him and realising that over time uh, Jeshua had a number of health problems. Um, we had to call ambulances a number of times when he was a baby um, due to respiratory failures. Um, he was having silent seizures and lots of breathing difficulties and choking episodes. So we knew that there was something not quite right with our little man. And as time went on, he was given um, a number of diagnoses. So uh, he was first diagnosed with an intellectual disability. He wasn't, um, he took a long time to walk. And then when he was walking, he was very unsteady on his feet. Um, he was then diagnosed with severe autism um, and ADHD. Um, and so the list kept going on. Um, and so we got to this point when he was seven years old and I think I counted that we had seen 60 plus specialists and therapists trying to understand what was going on for our little man and all the problems and how they all linked together. Um, and at the age of seven, one of our specialists said, I think it might be a good idea for you guys to invest in a wheelchair for your son because he's very unsteady on his feet. Um, he does have some feet abnormalities. His feet aren't growing properly. Um, and we think it would be safer for him to be in a wheelchair. So we went down the track of looking into that and purchasing one of those for Jeshua. And then that picture that God had given me at the very start of our family came to my mind. And it brought so much peace in a time of so much confusion um, and so, so much heaviness and burden on our family. And I remember just going, okay, God's got it. He is our strength in our weakness. But I still don't know what this uh, life looks like with our son. We still don't know what's wrong with him. And then at the age of nine, so fast forward a couple more years, at the age of nine, Jeshua was finally diagnosed with a super rare genetic disorder um, that only two other children worldwide had been diagnosed with. 
So there wasn't a lot known about it, it didn't have a name, but we did know that Jeshua did have one large deformed kidney that was functioning okay, that he had multiple um, bones missing and extra bones within his body. Um, the two other children that had the same diagnosis um, didn't have their legs or feet. So we knew that there was feet abnormalities and leg abnormalities um, and intellectual disabilities and autism and things like that to go with it. Um, Fast forward still again another couple of years, Joshua turns 11 this year, and we have since found out um, that there are possibly around 11 other children with the same disorder that Joshua has. Um, Joshua's the only one that's not in a wheelchair full time out of those children. Um, there's been a lot of prayer that has gone into our little man, a lot of heartache, but we've had multiple churches and friends praying over his life um, and to actually get a diagnosis and understand a bit more about what's going on for him has been such a huge blessing and many families don't get that at all. Um, so we were pretty pretty grateful to have some understanding around that. Um, I found that when I've asked the questions, God, where are you? Why is this happening to our family? Why is this happening to our son? I've asked the questions, um, why do our little girls have to come around to all these hospital appointments and therapist appointments time and time again with me, dragging them around to my, at the time, two and three-year-old little girls? Um, and then I'm reminded that we've had multiple therapists say to us, your girls are so incredible with your son. They've come to so many appointments and they understand him and they understand other children. And at appointments in the waiting room, our girls are playing with other children because they understand what they're going through. Um, when I've asked the, the question of the Lord, why do, why do families suffer? Why, why is our family suffering? Why is life so hard? Um, I was reminded recently that I had a mother um, living in Cincinnati with her family who found our details on our geneticist's database um, and got in contact with me and said, our, our baby son's just being diagnosed with the same syndrome as your son. We found your details. Can we ask questions? My husband and I are really concerned and we're worried he's our first child. Um, and to be able to share Jeshua's story with her and bring her hope um, has been massive for her and for me. Um, it's been a mutual encouragement to us both. Um, and when I've asked the question, why does Jesse have to suffer? Why has he been through all this hard stuff and his journey's not over? He will have many challenges um, that he will face in his future. Um, I'm reminded to look at the small things that God has um, blessed him with. Um, when he walks in a room, he just lights it up with his beautiful little grin um, he may not always warm to people, but when he does, he will reach out and hold their hand. And it's the most beautiful thing to witness. Um, and every day he has us in stitches because he has the funniest little personality and, and makes us all laugh. And so in all of that, I'm reminded to keep my eyes on Jesus again, the author and perfecter of our faith, um, who gives us that peace um, and I'm reminded that he's, he's got our journey. He's had it from the very beginning when he first spoke over our family. Um, he's the designer and he's, he's got our family. Yeah. Thanks, Cheryl. So, Rachel, how has your faith uh, influenced how you parent and raise disciples? 
I'll, I'll just share an incident. So October 2005, uh, Chennai was flooded. We had very heavy rains. And we had just uh, celebrated Samuel's uh, first birthday. And uh, he was our firstborn. We were living in a low-lying area. So uh, one night, um, rainwater and the dirty water from the uh, streets just entered in and flooded our home. And everything was floating. And um, uh, so we, uh, it was pitch black, no power as usual. So we just carried um, um, this child, my husband, and uh, he put Samuel on um, his shoulder. It was raining. And uh, we waded out in uh, knee-deep uh, water. And uh, we, we came out. Absolutely, we couldn't salvage anything. Everything, the dirty water from the streets, the drainage water just came. And um, uh, we couldn't salvage anything. And uh, we just had, um, we just took from our cupboard, we just took the documents, our work documents and um, the papers and we just came out, we, were, we waded through knee-length uh, water and we went to another suburb where my father lived and um, they were in the second floor, so the water hadn't reached to that level. Uh, and in the night, um, so I just put on warm clothes for, uh, for Samuel and um, he felt really warm and I had just lost my mother two years back as well, so no um, mother uh, to tell me like what was happening. And I was so mentally drained uh, because I was just thinking about what are we going to do? We've lost everything. And um, morning when I woke up to feed the child, he was burning up. His body was convulsing like a little rag doll. And when I held him in my hands, his eyes had gone up completely. And I, I started screaming. I just completely lost it. I've never felt so helpless and so um, out of control in my whole life. I was screaming, I was shouting, and uh, my husband had gone to get some milk. And um, I, I, in, my, in my madness, I'm shaking that little one-year-old child, trying to pull his eyes down to bring some form of life into him. And I was screaming. And my sister, my brothers, they were trying to calm me down. She was like, what are you doing to that child? And my husband also, he just came in and he said, uh, he looked at me, he said, stop it. I wouldn't listen because I thought I had lost that child. He was, he, there was just no sign of life in him at all. And um, then my husband just said, he looked at me and he said, he's a child of the covenant and he will live. And that moment, because we had been learning for the last few months in church about covenant, meaning being in a relationship with God, and that he being in our life and what it means. And that moment for me, it brought sanity back to my mind. It was like my boat was tossed about in the waves of the ocean, and it was God's word. What having God in my life meant was like an anchor that was dropped into the ocean and my boat, it just stopped rocking and it came to a standstill. And I had God's peace in my heart. I didn't know what would happen next, nothing, but just such tremendous peace in my heart. So God did another miracle for us because our roads was flooded. There was, uh, we couldn't get any auto and we found an auto who was willing to come and uh, that auto also started. That was another miracle. And then we took Samuel to the hospital 
by God's grace, the doctors revived him. And uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's growing up to be a young man of God. So um, very grateful for that. And just um, so we share that with the children, that God is alive. And being in a relationship with him um, makes a difference between life and death. Um, he's very real. He's not just something that we think about in our minds. He's not a construct. He's not a religion. He's this living person who's so faithful and true. And we tell the children that we will face many raging storms in life, but God is faithful. He's good. He's absolutely trustworthy. He's the redeeming God, and we can hold on to him. So that's what we teach the children. So good. Can I come back to you, Rachel? Is there any like key scriptures as well? I know that you know, you're a real woman of the word. Uh, what, are there any key scriptures that influence how you parent? As a, as a parent, um, yeah, um, in terms of like, Lord says uh, to Abraham in Genesis, he says that I know that Abraham will command his household after me. He will teach his children my ways. So the Lord goes to tell him what he's going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. So the Lord wants, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and to them he will show his covenant, God's word says. So God values us teaching our children his ways, telling them about him. And the other scripture that um, I always uh, remember is in Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 to 7, where the Lord says, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And then the Lord says, the, the words that I give you, teach your children. Whenever you're sitting with them, you're talking with them, you're lying down. So we, um, we, 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 we teach, we, uh, we tell uh, Samuel and Ahlai about God's word. And uh, sometimes they say, we've heard it a hundred times, but we tell them, uh, this is how it is. It's part of everyday life. So, yeah. Thanks so much. So as we wrap up, final question for the whole panel. Really, really quick, real punchy. I'm having a good time. I hope you're having a good time too. What would be your final thing you'd love to encourage us in? Maybe in faith, maybe in family, maybe in life as we wrap up. How about Shelley, you kick us off? Yeah, uh, two, two quick things. You can go for um, two. <laughs> look out. Um, one thing that I would love to encourage the whole room with, and we've probably all talked about it, all three of us, but um, keep trusting in God's goodness. Um, Romans 8.28 says, We know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Um, so like I said probably earlier with my own story, when I've asked the questions, why God, why, when you feel like um, that's a question that you want to ask, I want to encourage you to ask what for instead. Um, ask God what for um, Think about our minds being transformed. Think about looking at things from a godly perspective. And then you will ask the question, what for God? Because you want to use everything that we go through for your good purposes. It might not be what we think is good, but what you think is good is always better than our good. Um, so that's one thing to encourage the room. If I can say one thing to encourage women, um, whether you're a mum, whether your desire is to be a mum, or whether you feel like you're maybe a mum to many. Um, if I can read something from a book that I love that has um, really made an impact on my life, it's called Captivating. Um, and if I can just read this for the women in the room. 
It says uh, on page 136, the more his we become, the more ourselves we become, more our true selves. A woman in her glory, a woman of beauty, is a woman who is not striving to become beautiful or worthy or enough. She knows in her quiet centre where God dwells that he finds her beautiful, has deemed her worthy, and in him she is enough. We can also breathe in the truth that God loves us and he is good. And so for the women in the room, just know that you are worthy and that you are enough just by being who you are in Christ. So good, Jules? Absolutely. Um, so I guess for me is if you've got a desire, the desire for me was um, even though I had foster children, I still had a heart, hole in my heart that was never going to be filled unless I had a baby of my own. And thank you, God, that Levi is here and uh, we have, you have fulfilled that. But um, if you have a desire in your heart, whatever it is, Um, I just want to say never give up, never give up because we had 14 years of um, praying, seeking, asking, knocking. Um, Yes, we probably kind of did, well, I probably (laughs) gave up sometimes, you know, that's human nature. Um, But nothing was going to fill it unless I had a baby of my own. So um, I just want to say never, ever give up. On anything, it doesn't even mean if it if it's big or is it small. Um, never ever give up. And um, the scripture that comes to me is um, those three words that I've just said: seeking, knocking, and asking. And it's from Matthew seven: ask and it will be given to you; seek and you'll find; knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives; the one who seeks finds; and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. God never left us alone. He never said, well, you're in the too hard basket. I'll just push you aside. Um, he, he heard every prayer. He heard every cry. He felt every tear. And um, if you're in the room today and you are um, have the same desire I had two years ago or 14 years ago, and maybe you are um, someone who would like to become a parent and maybe it is too hard for you, please don't ever, ever give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. Yeah, on that same thing, I think uh, uh, the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize the message of hope because Jesus is our living hope. So um, I also just wanted to share, um, uh, if you have children who are not really following the Lord, it looks like they are, with each passing day, they're growing in rebellion and turning away from God. Just wanted to encourage you with the story of Monica and uh, uh, the person who later became St. Augustine. So Monica kept praying faithfully with perseverance uh, decades and decades uh, and decades till uh, Augustine had an encounter with this living Lord Jesus. And um, as history reveals, Augustine became one of the early Western church fathers, and he became the bishop of Hippo. So, uh, and he thanked his mother in many of his writings. He said it was because of her faith and patience that uh, the Lord intervened in his life. So to you mothers out there, and uh, even those who are spiritual mothers to uh, other people, uh, don't give up. 
continue to pray and lift them up before God because God will make a way in his way in his time. So be encouraged. Come on. Come on. Would you put your hands together for the panel? So good. So much wisdom that has been kind of just been shared in your story. So thank you again for your honesty, your vulnerability uh, and your insight today. It's, we've all been blessed by it. And I wonder if you, for us today, what's the thing that God wants to speak to us about? What's maybe the scripture, maybe a story, an idea that he wants to grab your attention with today? So how about we pray together as we wrap up our time together?